What is Walker Ministry? What? We are what? A one. Yeah, we are. We are that. We are end time ministry. But what? We are one cell organism. Amen. Amen. Jew and Gentile. That's right. Pattern after Bereans. Amen. We like to study. Can I? Can we go deeper today? Can I? What y'all want to do? I got like three things that I want to teach and show. I don't know if I have enough time. So, unless y'all want to pick, y'all want to stay out, come back. Part two, service at 730. No, I ain't going to do it. I'm just messing with y'all. <laughs> I, y'all. I just love it. I love, um, I just don't like to be formatted. And I like to let Holy Spirit move and do what he wants to do. Y'all good? All right. Okay. Go to God. Y'all know me. Just a different, we got it back? All right, praise God. Uh, thank you for the song, Rocky. Beautiful. Thank you. Oh, amen. Amen. I love to listen for prophetic and hear what you're ministering, uh, what he's giving you. And um, I, I just think that we need to continue to do that. A lot of times we don't, church is so formatted. Instead of letting the Holy Spirit minister and do what he wants to do. Amen. It's a lot of things going on, y'all. I, I, I'm trying to see where do I start. Um, you know, I, as a pastor, my job as a shepherd is to lead you and guide you. I like that music, man, man, just softly. It helps me. It's, it's really good. I love it. And my job is to inform you, too, about a lot of things, what's going on in the body of Christ, uh, what's going on in the world, and I... You know, I was talking to Dave earlier today. The, the shepherd, he's leading the sheep. They're growing, going to where the grass is, right? They don't go to where the rocks are. They don't eat that. They eat the grass. So the shepherd has to go and he has to know and see what's out there. My job is to care for you. My job is to inform you. Because when I meet God, I got to, he's going to ask, well, did you show them? Did you teach them what I told you to do? Not some vain fables and genealogies and stuff like that. I need you to show your end time ministry. You need to know what's going on in the world. Y'all know what's going on in the world? Everybody know about the Ebola, right? Right. Pestilence. Matthew chapter 24 is real. It's real, real close, ain't it? I was talking to uh, Rocket and y'all know how many cases now? Y'all know? How many states? Three or four that you know of, right? Texas, D.C., what's that? They say they're testing somebody in Newport News. My thing is that I was, this is how you have to be sure that you know Christ. And you have to be sure that you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. So uh, in Texas, the, the guy that got sick, you know, was outside of the apartment area. And, and you know, he, there was throw up out there, right? He got sick. And the people cleaning it up just with regular clothes on. And people getting sick in their toilets. And where's that going? Where's it going? When you flush it, where's it going? Is it ready to treat Ebola? So your toilet water that you flush is same water that you drink. Y'all see what I'm saying? So that body fluids, where's it going? Is it, it's going where? It's going to a sewage treatment plant. Is the sewage treatment plant 
capable of handling that disease that can stay on the surface for 50 days, hot or cold. Are we ready for what the Bible is talking about? This is what's happening. My thing is, if it rains, when they're cleaning it up out there, where does it go? Rain goes into the sewage system, in our water supply. This is why we should be able to be stocking up. This is why we're supposed to have these type of things. This is why this ministry has to get, I have to teach this. I have to show y'all, this is my job, is to prepare us and to warn us what's going on. Church don't care. Our job is to do that, mom, is to inform you. So if it's, if it's in D.C., it's only a matter of time before it's spread. This is what the Bible talks about. I mean, is, are we ready? I'm not trying to, I ain't scaring no one. I'm giving you real things that are happening. You know? Are we even thinking about that? Our loved ones, are we prepared in case it come to our doors? Are we ready? Have we been praying to God? Have we, have we went around our homes and prayed, Lord, or our neighborhood, where we live? Have we been praying for our water supply, treatment plan? See, we have so much work we need to be doing. We don't have time to be bickering and fighting and fussing over doctrine. We shouldn't have to. We shouldn't be doing that. Pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. We shouldn't be fighting over that. That should never was never designed to divide the church. The gospel was never designed to divide the church. Yet it does. Right? Come to one faith, one Lord, one baptism. Have we, have we come to that? Can somebody tell me, have we come to that? So many things. I want to, I want to teach on a little bit on the, what is the true gospel? I need to do that, but I also need to teach what's happening on Wednesday. That's Wednesday. I need to, Teach on this. I need to show you what this is. The Samita. It's very important. We're in it. The church know? Do, do they know we're in it? When did the, when did the Samita start? And what is it? Is it important to us? It affects everything. Is it important to us? We, we don't know. We simply don't know. I could come in and teach you on the true gospel right now. Same thing he was teaching the Corinthians. And when he taught them, he had to reteach them as if they had never heard the gospel ever. Like, my heart is heavy to see which one do we do, y'all. Because you need, you need all three. You need all three. Can I get a little bit of all three? Y'all got time? Y'all want to know? What is the true gospel? The true gospel is the good news. I'm going to teach a little bit, and then I'm going to jump into some things that you have to know what's going on. Wednesday is so important. He said, I will place the sun and the moon for what? For seasons? Huh? Come on, y'all been taught here for what? For signs. Have we been looking? 
How do we even care? Well, here at Walking Ministry, I'm going to show y'all why we need to know. It's so important. Most people, do, most of the church, I'm like, man, don't, nobody don't even want to know. I'm going to show y'all some things that's going to blow y'all little minds here, man. It blew mine. So I want to, I just want to dab into something real quick, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably come back and teach it again as well in depth. But I want to tell you, what is the true gospel? The true gospel is the good news. God saves sinners. Is that good news? Man is by nature sinful and separate from God with no hope of remitting the situation. But God, by his power, provided the means of man's redemption in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Savior, Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? The gospel is the revelation, as Mel has often taught in here, of his death, burial, and resurrection. That is the gospel. Not the word of faith, not the gospel of grace, not the new reformation, but the gospel is about his death, his burial and resurrection. So now y'all can tell people what the real gospel is. I mean, you can ask a Christian, y'all ask them, ask them what the gospel is. Ask them what the gospel is. They'll tell you that it's the good news. <laughs> the word gospel literally means good news. But to truly comprehend how good that news is, we must first understand the bad news. Mm. As a result of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, every part of man, his mind, his will, his emotion, and flesh has been corrupted by sin. Because of man's sinful nature, he does not and cannot seek God he has no desire to come to God think about that when you won't say did you, did you have a desire just wake up I want to seek God no that was not your ruler that was not your ruler I'm going to give y'all foundation scripture in a minute this is something now listen to this because of man's sinful nature he does and cannot seek God. Remember, the gospel is the good news that you bring to someone. He has no desire to come to God. And in fact, his mind is hostile toward God. Try it. Tell somebody when you go out witnessing, ask them about God. See what they say. Oh, yeah, just come and tell me. Oh, yeah, I'm going to know that some people just reject it. Tell people who are, who are in their sin about Jesus. What is the first fleshly response? Come on. There you go. Okay. All right. Okay. So it says that the mind is hostile toward God. Romans 8, 7. God has declared that man's sin dooms him to an eternity in hell. Separate him from God. It is in hell 
that man pays the penalty of sin against a holy and righteous God. This would be the bad news indeed if there was no remedy. Now, wouldn't it? Foundation scripture of what the gospel is, if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm going to get Fred Elena to read the King James Version. And really the whole teaching is going to come from uh, 1 to 11. So she's going to read that. So I want her to get that on them. So if you can, turn your Bibles to, let's get back into, have her bring in our Bibles and turn into the scripture. So you can see and go home and study. Amen. Amen. I like that. Amen, Darius. <laughs> First Corinthians, I like to repeat it because sometimes you'd be like, what did he say? First Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there it is. No, get that one right. Touch the button. We're going to get it, y'all. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, mm. and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, mm. if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, mm. and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of twelve. Mm. After then, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, mm. of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are fallen asleep. Mm. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. At, and last of all, he was seen of me also, mm. as of one born out, out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle, but I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preached, and so ye believed. The gospel of Jesus Christ right there in that scripture. Now y'all got a place to go to study and know what the scripture says about what the gospel is. So now you can hold that up against any other false teaching. And this is what's wrong with most of the Christians that have false teaching. So Paul is, um, they had written, actually they written, wrote a letter to Paul and Paul's writing back to them. But in the gospel, God in his mercy has provided the remedy, a substitute for us, Jesus Christ, who came to pay the penalty 
for our sin by his sacrifice on the cross. This is the essential of the gospel which Paul preached to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 15, 2 through 4, he explains three elements of the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ on our behalf. <laughs> See, you gotta, gotta go slow with this. Our old nature died with Christ on the cross and was buried with him. Listen to this. Our old nature died with Christ on the cross and was buried with him. But you weren't born yet. Yet the scripture says you must be born again. Right? This is just a work with it. We're going to get the sound right, y'all. Don't worry. Is it my mic? Okay. What's that now? Okay, we can fix that, y'all. Stay with it. <laughs> Amen. Yet I. Okay, let me stop. <laughs> See, this is important. This is important with your walk. This is, and I'm going to tie it in. This is important with your walk. Now, Paul had already went to the Corinthians. He had already preached to them. Okay. What was the issue? I'm going to get to that, right? Let's get to the issue. But we're just setting this up. Our nature died with Christ on the cross and was buried with him. Then we were resurrected. Listen. Well, we were resurrected with him to a new life. Romans chapter 6, 4 through 8. Let's take that down. Paul tells us to hold firmly to this truth, to this true gospel. See, when, when I see the word true gospel, that implies that there could be what? Okay. Paul says, hold fast, hold to the, hold firmly, he said, to the true gospel. <coughs> the one which saves. Oh, look at that. <coughs> Believing in another gospel is to believe in vain. So that's a little glimpse of what was going on in Corinthians, just a little peek. Paul also declared that the true gospel is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, by which, he mean, by which means that salvation is not achieved by man's effort, but by the grace of God through the gift of faith. Ephesians 2, um, 8 and 9. You want to read that right there? Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Mm. It is the gift of God, not mm. of works, lest any man should boast. My goodness. See, he's, what Paul is doing here is steady building that foundation of the true gospel. You're going to get many false gods, many false Jesus because of the gospel through the power of God who who believe in Christ. Romans 10, 9. There we go. Because of the gospel through the power of God 
those who believe in Christ, Romans 10, 9, y'all know Romans 10, 9, are not just saved from hell. We are, in fact, even given a completely new nature. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Got that, Brother Lynn? Let's see what the book says. Amen. I'm going slow because I need you to get this. And I, need, I don't want hap what happened to Corinthians happen to you. Okay? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, <laughs> he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Can you give me an amplifier? Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creature, a new creation, mm -hmm. a new creature altogether. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Good God Almighty. That's supposed to be everybody sitting in these seats right now. Behold, the fresh and new has come. You're, you have a new nature. You have new, what's new to you now, nature is what's natural. Righteousness should be natural to you. The supernatural should be natural to you. You have a new nature. See, it's like something really simple. And I was talking to Dave this month. We're like, the gospel should be, it shouldn't be hard. It should be simple. What is, what is, the, what is the deal with Corinthians? You're going to see the same correlation with the church and the body of Christ today. Or should I say the individual? Just the individual. Now look at that. You're a new creation. Never before existed. So you can't have the same appetites then, right? Oh, come on. Talk to me, somebody. You can't have the same appetites, right? You can't have the same desires, right? You're, you're all new. Brand new. I got, I got the mind of Christ now. I have to allow, prohibit, allow it to be. But, I, but Pastor, I look the same. I, I, I ain't nothing changed. Mm. Did it? Can you use your own life as when you were a sinner versus you're now saved now? Do you know that? Do you know that? I mean, has there been a change? I mean, has there been a change in your life? I mean, for real. Is there a change in your life? No, y'all playing now. Y'all don't get me to stand up. You are supposed to be a new creation. Hold on. Hold on, Greg. I got you. No, you're supposed to be a new creation. Is the Bible a lie? Or are you going on your feelings? Or are you going on your emotions? Remember, the new and the fresh is here. I mean, for real, y'all, is that a reality to you? Is that a reality to you? Dave, is that a reality to you? I am brand new. I know what I used to do. I know what I used to think. I know the things I used to do in secret. I know I knew me. I knew the thoughts that I would allow to flow. I knew my actions when, I, when it was time to lie, when it was time to steal, 
when it was time to murder. See, you knew all those type of things. See, we won't be new. You're supposed to be new. You're supposed to be new and fresh. I mean, not just new, but fresh. Wrinkle-free, spotless. Supposed to be new. Paul is, listen, he had to go back to them as if, and I'm going ahead of myself, but he had to go back to them and preach the gospel all over again. Corinthians. Man, what's wrong with us? Let's get this thing in here. Look at this. You are completely new with a new nature now. With a changed heart and a new desires and new desires. That is the key. Your heart has changed. And you have new desires now. Will and attitude. Toward. Good works. Yes. You have a new will now. Uh oh. You have a new will. Remember all the things you willed automatically. That you subjected yourself to, which is sin. Now he says you have a new will. My thing is that you have to do a check. Am I born again? Okay, listen. Then we're going to get into some stuff here. Listen. listen, listen, check this out. With a new heart, new desires, new will, new attitude toward manifesting good works. This is the fruit of the spirit produced by, the, by his power. Works are never a means of salvation. This is funny. I was a. Uh, y'all seen the Godfather, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I was watching Godfather. I wasn't watching it. They actually had it on TV, and they were going over with Francis Ford Coppola, the making of it, this epic event. And one of the things with the Don, who Al Pacino played, he. His thing was, you know, he had had this bad life. Y'all saw all the stuff that he did. I mean, I'm sure y'all probably seen the movies. This was the two, part two or three. And what he was trying to do was give the Catholic Church $600 million for his repentance. Y'all see about the false teaching? This is why it's so important. He thought he could buy his forgiveness. That's what this is the movie. Watch the movie. That's what he was doing. He thought he could buy it. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong everything. <laughs> but they had the Pope in there just going, oh, yeah, you can six what? See? But the wrong, listen, the true gospel. It's the gift of God. It's free. Repent. There's no price. The price has already been paid. You've already been bought. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough blood. You don't have anything. But people are watching it. This is what's happening with the gospel. You don't know what the real gospel is. Y'all think he made that up? That's what people believe. This is the fruit of the spirit produced by the power of God. Works are never the means of salvation, but they are the proof of it. Good God. Hold on. Y'all didn't hear that. This is the fruit of the spirit. Produced in us by his power. Works are never the means of salvation, but they are the proof of it. 
Ephesians 2.10. I ain't just making this up. I'm going to show y'all this. I got you. You got your question, Greg. Why is she finding it? You got your question. Okay. It should. This is what it's telling you. There's going to be proof. And she said, I'll show you my faith by my works. I'll show you my faith. I'll show you that I believe by what I do. I'm not doing it to be saved. This is what was in the Old Testament. This is what you were reading in the Old Testament. If you don't do this, this is what's going to come upon you. See, but the scripture above that was all the blessings. But down below, I think it's like 52 curses. That's right. So now he's saying, if you love me, you're going to still keep those commandments, all of those. This is so beautiful. Salvation. My goodness. You got it for me? Ephesians 2 and 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, Mm. which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Amen. My goodness. There is so much more that I really want to go in on this. But as y'all know, time is slipping away. But I wanted us to really understand some things uh, about our faith. I wanted to really give y'all a good idea of what was going on in Corinthians, okay? And how uh, the big issue with Corinthians was the resurrection. That's what it was. They had people being, had teachers within the church teaching them that there's no way that he rose. That's not, see now automatically Paul said, wait a minute. I got to go back now and teach you and set the foundation all over again. Not everyone, but a lot of people were believing the false teaching. If he hadn't died, if he won't bury, and he didn't die, won't bury, then Paul said, this gospel is in vain. Because this is what you're, this is the first thing that you should teach when you talk about what is the true gospel. You have to teach his death. So cut your TV on. How many are teaching of his death? How many is teaching of his burial, which is really important? Because you ain't ain't burying somebody, he ain't dead. The whole thing of it is that he was dead. He died for your sins. My God, it's so much more. I want to go in so much more on this, y'all. We're going to do it, too. Y'all can come back. We're going to get it, right? But I want to be obedient and do what I need to do. But there's some things that y'all need to know before. Uh, the thing of it is, I don't want us to walk away. So many of us, and this is what the Corinthians, they walked away from the truth. Because of what? A false teacher proclaiming that this is the gospel now. Where did you get that from? Paul said, I don't taught you this. I'm going to have to teach you like you never heard it, never knew it, and you never set before it, he said. I got to reteach you everything. All over again. I got to teach you the same thing over again because you didn't get it. You allow other people to pull you from the truth. You know why? Because you don't know the truth. This is why we need to know what is the gospel. What is the gospel? Somebody tell me. We just had it. What is it? Where do you go to find it? What scripture? There you go. That's where you go. And you need to know. Listen, we 
have to know these things. Very important. What you're doing out there, there is you need to know. This is what you're teaching. If you're not teaching his death, you're just teaching all this other stuff and the gospel of faith. That's not the gospel. And I've been having this big issue about this. I want to know. Don't y'all want to know the truth? Don't y'all want to go out and witness to the truth about his death, his burial, and his resurrection? See, what's happening to man? He's, he's working. Y'all know salvation also um, means um, that it's moving, that it's, it's, it's acting. And I, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but it's also going forward. It, it moves. Salvation is not stagnant. You're always is working toward it. Man, I, it's like people think they're saying that's it. No. Salvation means you're moving toward it to, to be saved. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. It's some good stuff. And we take so lightly our salvation. We take it so lightly. We forget about it. When I get around my friends, my co-workers, we forget that I'm saved. We forget that I did Romans 10, 9. We forget about the blood that was shed. We forget about the crown of thorns that were placed on his head. We forget. Man, this is so good, y'all. It's, it's so much more. I'm going to go in there. Y'all glad y'all saved? Amen. You, you're either progressing steadily toward hell or you're progressing steadily toward heaven. Salvation. You are either steadily progressing. Man is either steadily progressing to hell or he's steadily progressing to heaven. One of the two. You, you can't be in the middle. You're either falling away or you're either looking up. It's real simple. I'm talking about you. You're either falling away or you are ascending. That's what's happening. The gospel is the good news that you don't have to fall away. It's so much more. They begin to spiritualize the resurrection too. They were claiming scientifically it's impossible for a maimed, a scattered, or a decomposed body to be raised from the dead. Yet Jesus is the example. He is the example that he was raised from the dead. And then I love it, the scriptures that you were reading somewhere in 5 through 8 in 15, he was saw by a multitude, 500 People saw him. How are they going to say that he didn't rise? 500. All the apostles saw him. And then 500 other people saw him. Yet, they still said, we're going to fall away. Nope, we turn away. Isn't that something? So that happens in the church today. That happens right in the body of Christ today. We don't need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
And then, well, that's not predicated on being salvation. No, it's not. But to really go out to do what Peter's and Carl do, you better have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're doing stuff with the human trafficking. And we don't understand the demonic force or the impact that the enemy has on these individual lives. You need some power. Amen. The gospel is the power yes. of Christ. It's the power. That's what you need. Christ. Paul, I know, and Jesus, I know, but who are you? That's what the enemy said. That's what the demonic said. Y'all better know. Mm, 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 mm. Jesus. It's so much more. Man. Y'all getting anything? Y'all understanding your salvation? God, it's so much. It's so much, man. It's so much more. They, would, they just didn't understand um, what Paul was talking about, the resurrection. And Jesus arose so that men in their full, complete person, body, as well as spirit, could live forever. The resurrection of Jesus Christ makes the resurrection of men absolutely certain. They ain't teaching the resurrection. They're not teaching the birth and the death, are they? They teach y'all how to what? Work your faith. Claim it. And grab it and blab it and whatever they say. They, they, this is what they're teaching you. Work your faith. You need to release your faith. How about you just believe on the cross? See, Mel taught y'all this before. In your salvation, everything has been accomplished. Everything has been defeated. Everything has been returned back to you in your salvation. But they're keeping you materialistic. They're keeping you seeing with your eyes. They're keeping you there. I mean, they, they, they fussing over the body. He's rose. He had a new body. Same physical form. Same, it looked, and excuse me on that, it was not the same physical form. It looked the same, but it interacted. It was a glorified body. It didn't, it didn't, inter, it didn't act according to the physics of time. His body did not act according to the physics of time. When you have that body, you'll be interdimensional. What's that? You'll be inter you're not going to have the same physical. So the physics that are bound by the laws of time will not be constricted to you. And Jesus walked through the wall. And Jesus disappeared when he was with the two men on the road to Damascus. You're not going to have the same body. That's going to function the same. It's a glorified body. They ain't teaching y'all on this. They just teaching you you're going to be raptured and you're going to be gone. Yeah. So much more. I want to go in, but I'm going to come back to this. But there's some other things that we need to know in this time period. See, some of you might not be here Tuesday, and I need to get you. I need you to see some things right now. Amen? Amen. And I pray that you do come on Tuesday. Y'all come. Try to get here on Tuesday. Try. This is the important part of the ministry is prayer. It's an imbalance if you have this many people and you have, you know, five people at prayer. There's an imbalance in the, in the ministry then. But if you, and, and I'm saying that that's not us. I'm saying that's what happened. I've been in an atmosphere like that. I've been in ministries like that. But Prayer should be the most congested part of the service. Amen. 
when we call for prayer. Amen. All right. Because it ain't going to mean nothing to you. I, I, I think I just really want you to really get what your salvation, how important it is to understand true God, the true gospel and the true teachings, because it's so easy to error. It's so easy to error. No one has the Holy Spirit to say, wait a minute, that's wrong. And bring conviction. But we got to have that, man, because times are perilous right now. We need to know here. I'm going to show the first one. These are only a few minutes long, but we need to know these are two important parts. And I'm shifting now, going into now the end time study. All right. These are two important things that we need to know on what the Shemitah is and what the blood moon represents and what season we're in right now. Most people don't even know. See, I, I was watching. If you don't have if you're not on God's calendar then you're going to be off of his return. So the other thing is, and we should be looking and knowing when he's returning because of these. these this is such importance to the Christian belief. And this is Wednesday. This is Wednesday. We already had one in April, a blood moon. And then next year on the uh, 2015, it's going to be the super blood moon. And I'm just going to teach you what, what, what's going to be happening in those times and why the Shemitah is so important to us. When y'all leave here today, y'all going to have some wealth of information that you need um, to know about what's going on in the Shemitah. The Shemitah is a seven, um, uh, well, it's a year long. We're in it right now. It started September the 25th. Um, the Shemitah for this year, for a year, all the way to September 13th of 15 of 2015. And what's important about those um, days and what this really means. So I'm going to I'm going to show you that one first. And it's by Jonathan Kahn and he's going to be on Sid Roth. Um, so I'm going to shift to that right quick. Uh, any questions so far, y'all, about your salvation? Where we going? Any questions? No? Y'all good? Oh. <coughs> no questions? Y'all good with your salvation? Y'all ain't got no problem? <laughs> Y'all good? <laughs> huh? <laughs> You're what? Oh, Jesus. You're ascended. All right. Yes. Go ahead, make that statement. Once saved, always saved. That's right. <laughs> to rise above. Why is the gate to destruction? And yes, ma'am. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. 
prayers and cheats and you try to get called out or whatever, you, you just saying it so that everybody else can, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? A pat on the back. Mm. There you go. <laughs> Affirmation. Yeah. And for us supposed to be saved, folks, why? Why are we having uh, the struggle? Why? I mean, I'm supposed to be born again. I, if I wasn't, I would have to go back and do it all over again because something I didn't receive something. And this is what Paul. See, this is what's so good, because Paul had to go back. To them, he didn't say, well, we're going to take off where we left off at. No, we're going to go back to the very beginning. I'm going to come to you and preach the gospel like you never heard it. Now, you, like you never sat in front of it and never believed it. Those are the things that he said, I'm going to do. We're going to do this all over again. This is how important this is. The gospel, the first thing that you teach on the gospel is his death. Because if he didn't die, you are going to die in your sins. You had to have someone who would die in your place. My goodness. And being, it's like you're, you're in the process and you shall be saved. He didn't say you were. He said you shall. That is an ongoing process. People be teaching all this. Where you get this one saved always saved? Show me that in the Bible. It, oh, well, it says, you know, when God pull you this and that, what, but he said your name could be removed from the book of life. Well, if I can be removed from the book of life, why we make it so hard? Let me tell y'all real simple why we make it so hard. One, we're not born again. You're not the new creation. And the other one, you don't have the people teaching you how to walk this life out. This is what Mel does. She helps you walk out the salvation. This is what she teaches to help you walk out your salvation. Then me, I bring in the Jewish part of it. Now you're engrafted into Yeshua. Let's come and learn of me. This is so important to have the balance. You actually thought that, didn't you? Yep. You're true. You do. And to teach this is a, uh, the, don't just make this. I was still trying to do other things, but you have to have that in you when you leave. You have to. And he always told the children of Israel to remember. You have to remember that you're saved. You have to remember that. Yes. Real, you can really tell too. You can tell. You can tell. You can just the fruit. Just the fruit. Just inspect the fruit. Just inspect the fruit. 
but you got to have a heart to pray for them. This is why it's so good. This is why I gave you that scripture. This is why I gave you that scripture that you got to know. You have to know that you're a new creation. It has to be real to you, Dave. It has to be a reality to you. Did y'all hear? It changes your will. It changes your attitude. When you're born again. I'm not born again if I'm the same individual. I have the same appetites. I should at least have something in me to say, oop, I don't want to do that no more. It, that, should be, that should be a signal in you that, oop, I shouldn't be in the, with these people. Amen. Oh, but they're family. No, it don't matter. Who is your mother? Who is your brother? Who is your father? Who, he has scripture for everything. It's not a time for me to be with them. I had to, I had to leave. I love my parents. And I had to, at, at a point, I had to separate myself from them. Not because I didn't want to love them, but God was working on me. So he was preparing me to be able to witness to them in love and not be blind. Just because I love you, well, Mama, I'm wrong. You're right. I should be a Jehovah's witness. But that's what happens. That's right. Oh, oh, come on, Darius. Darius, you better use that when you're witness out there. Amen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes, V. Or you just getting an amen? I'm serious. If you have the Holy Spirit, that's so good. If you have the Holy Spirit, what are you doing celebrating Halloween as a Christian? Why? It's a, I could go deeper with some other things you're doing, too. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to go right there. You shouldn't want to. Listen, Dave, you shouldn't want to. You have a new nature. You shouldn't want to. You should have a new nature. There should be that the Holy Spirit that come, came into your heart should be like, no, that's not right. Now, he don't make you. He don't impose himself. He's a gentleman. He doesn't make you do nothing. But you're supposed to have a new will. Why is it so hard? Dan, you're supposed to have a new attitude. I had a stink attitude before, but I'm saved now. So now I don't have that. I'm born. Mom, I'm born again now. There should be a distinct difference in who you are. Thank you. I told y'all, lust is the appetite of demons. That work through your flesh. And these are the works of the flesh, he said. It's in Galatians. My God. Holy Spirit just going right up in there. Let's learn about some things as Christians that we need to know. Y'all got that one. We got the salvation down. Now, let's really go in here now and learn some things that are coming upon the earth. Things that we really, really, really need to know. Amen. Wednesday is important. Judgment is happening. Judgment started. April was the first blood moon. It's always a shaking. It's a, a, a gradual start. Four months later, now you got to bowl again. See, before it was 9-11, it was the towers. Now, now you got a grad. Now it's Ebola. Now it's going to be an epidemic. See, it's still coming. That happened after. Okay, here we go. Let's see what he's going to say here. Y'all ready? 
I like to break it up. Y'all like watch things sometimes? I love watching things. Y'all know Sid is crazy. Oh, Sid Roth here. Welcome to my world. Where it's naturally supernatural. We had the high privilege before the book, The Harbinger, even came out of interviewing. We were the first ones in the country. We, we had a CD series of The Harbinger uh, by Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, which has gone on to be a New York Times bestseller. Over two million of these books have been distributed. But Jonathan called me the other day. And he said, Sid, God has given me a revelation. I call it the mystery of the Shemitah. And it's so big that it affects everything we as a people are personally doing and will affect the rise and fall of the United States of America. You know, the best-selling book. The Harbinger, which means the warning of judgments, they're reappearing again. There's nine of them. But one of the ones that is reappearing is the understanding and the revelation of a biblical term called the Shemitah. Now, Rabbi Jonathan, what is the Shemitah? The Shemitah is an ancient mystery. It goes back over 3,000 years to Moses, Mount Sinai. Yet it is affecting Everything from 9-11 to the rise and fall of the economy to the crashing of the stock market to the rise and fall of nations, everything from World War I, World War II, what is happening right now and what will happen. It is the most precise, mind-boggling, biblical mystery, and it's coming true now. Now, when you talked about it in your book, The Harbinger, did you have any idea that this would, would so affect us today in our everyday life? I mean, and how big it is. I knew it, I knew it was happening, I mean, at least in a certain period, but I had no idea that it, it, it didn't just happen then. It's been affecting us, every single one who's watching right now. It's affecting every life since the day we were born and the future. I had no idea until very recently how big it was. It's just, it's really mind-blowing. Okay, let's just go start with basics. Yeah. What does the Shemitah mean? What does the word mean? The Shemitah l l means the release, but it can, or it could also mean, literally, it can also mean the fall or the collapse in Hebrew. It can also mean the shaking. And what it, what it is is this. In Mount Sinai, God gave this law to Israel. Every seventh year, you would have a Sabbath year, a year of rest. That rest was called the Shemitah. There was no sowing, no reaping of the land. And on the last day of the Shemitah, the, the day is called Elul 29 on the biblical calendar. On that last day, something unique happens. All credit is wiped away. All debt is wiped away. The financial accounts of the nation are wiped clean. Now, this was to be a blessing. But when Israel turned against God, the Shemitah comes back as a sign of judgment on a nation that is driving God out of its life. So this is where it affects us particularly today. So the thing is that the Shemitah affects, as you can see, the economy right away. It's, it's, today it would be a, a recession or a depression. I mean, and the 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 Wall Street, it literally is the collapse of the of 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 our financial realm. So what we're going to see, so is, we're, we're going to have a collapse that's not a blessing. We're going right. to have the judgment type of collapse. We have already seen it happen. And it's actually getting more specific. The last two Shemitahs have been so exact, so precise since 9-11. And, and we're coming up to another one as well. So what we're going to see, and this is what blew me away, is it it has been affecting everything in, in our lives 
from really, there's no end to it. It's amazing and it's precise, down to the days, the hours, even the seconds. Okay, give us some background. Like it's, uh, they explain they every seven years. Yeah, and, and they yeah, yeah. Every seventh year, so you have this rest. And and here, here's the keys to know because we're gonna we're gonna see what's happening right now. The keys are number one, you have the the seven year cycle. So the seven year cycle, everything stops, and then you have this financial wipeout. Okay, okay. According to the Bible, every seventh year, yes, we we have uh, just a blessing from God. Or if we haven't done what God's asked, it becomes a judgment. It became a judgment. Actually, okay. in 586 BC, wiped out Jerusalem. They were in Babylon for 70 years, and the Bible says it was because it was timed according to how many Shemitahs they broke. So mm. it becomes this amazing thing. And not only wipes away accounts, it can wipe away cities and nations. Yeah, and you know, if someone is a non-believer in the Bible as being from God, just looking at these patterns that are affecting us today, that have affected us historically, and nations being uh, rising and falling, economies rising and falling. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, how could anyone not be a believer in the Bible? Yeah, yeah, amazing. And, and here, Sid, if you look, here's an example. If you look at the last 40 years of our financial history. You look for, there's five great turning points or long-term collapses combined often with recessions. When did they take place? I'll give you an example. 1973, first one. Second one, 1980. Third, 1987. Fourth, 2000. And fifth, 2007. Great recession. What do you notice about all of them? Every one of them is separated by a seven-year period. I mean, 73 to 80, seven years. 80 to 87, seven years. 2000 to seven years. Are any of them linked specifically to the year of the Shemitah? 1973, year of the Shemitah. 1980, Shemitah. 87, Shemitah. 2000, Shemitah. Uh, 2007, the Shemitah. Every single 100% of them happened according to the appointed time in the Bible. Some of these things went down to the seconds. So if you go, listen, take it larger. Go to the greatest crashes in, in history, and you'll find, do, do any of them take place linked to the year of the Shemitah? The majority of them do. I mean, I'll give you an example. The, the, this is the third greatest crash in history, 1937 and 38. When does the Shemitah happen? 1937 and 38, same, same year. In fact, when the Shemitah begins, the next day, Wall Street collapses. Here's another one, the Great Recession. When, when does that happen? It is 2007 and 8. When does the Shemitah happen? 2007 to 8. And on the exact day of the Shemitah uh, appointed to wipe away the financial accounts, Elul 29, the whole stock market collapses. The Great Depression is even linked to this. When you have this peak day of the, of, of the Shemitah, right after that comes the greatest month collapse in American history. I mean, it is mind-boggling. Uh, you know, Jonathan, I used to be a stockbroker on Wall oh. Street. If I had only understood these biblical principles, if I was a mutual fund manager, I could be the top mutual fund in the world. I don't understand. Uh, maybe that's why there's going to be a great wealth transfer. Uh, the, the, the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. But we have to understand these biblical principles. When we come back, I'd like to find out the future of America based on the Shemitah. How about you? We'll be right back to It's Supernatural. I am amazed, Rabbi Jonathan, how big this is. This isn't some little principle. This affects everything. Explain. Yeah, the Shemitah uh, has so many facets. It's not only, now we just touched on how it's affecting the economy, Wall Street, everything. 
but it actually affects even physical realities. And the first thing, one of the mysteries in here is called the mystery of the towers. In the Bible, the word for tower is migdal. That comes from a Hebrew word, gadal, which means greatness. So there's a link between towers being built and greatness, or you know, a nation's greatness, or its pride, its glory. We're great, you know. Yeah, you know what that reminds me of? The Tower of Babel. Exactly. That's that, the, that, that's that's what they were trying to do. We're going to make a name for ourselves. That's exactly. We're going to build a tower up to heaven. That's exactly it. Now, could there be? Now, there's a mystery here. Could it be that the rising of the highest towers in the world actually marked the rising of nations and powers? Hmm. And we're going to see. It, it, this is linked to the screen. It's amazing. For instance, the um, up to from the Middle Ages, the highest towers were in Europe, the center of power was in Europe. But a change took place in about 1870, there's the greatest tower rises up in a new land, it's America, 1870. The next year, America becomes the, the strongest economic power on earth. It, the mantle goes from Britain to America. So the rise of the tower actually marks it. From then on, America builds the highest towers on earth as its power keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. But we're gonna see there's a link with the Shemitah. Because in 1945, at the end of the Second World War, height of American power, they, there's a plan to build a new tower that's going to represent it, uh, America's greatness. It's the World Trade Center. It, it, 1945 is the year of the Shemitah. The tower is, is conceived, the World Trade Center, year of the Shemitah. It's begun to, they start building it in 1966, year of the Shemitah. It, it, it's built for seven, a seven-year cycle, the exact cycle of the Shemitah, seven years of the Shemitah. Finished in 1973, year of the Shemitah. And then, finally, 2001, it's destroyed in the year of the Shemitah. Now, here's, the, here's a link. Now, what's the, the towers? Towers are about rising. The Shemitah is about falling. Actually means let fall. The, the tower is about the glory of man. The Shemitah is about humbling the pride of man or the pride of a nation. So here, we see in the Bible, you know, the Shemitah wipes out accounts, we saw, that are built up. It also wipes out realities that are built up, too. And so here, in the year of the Shemitah, actually, as the Shemitah gets to its peak, that's when 9-11 happens. 9-11 happens at the peak of the Shemitah, the last week, when it's getting ready for the, the day of nullifying, wiping things out. And actually, the, the collapse of the tower causes the collapse of Wall Street. You have the greatest, so you have the, the collapse of a tower, pride, I mean, the pride of a nation, and, and you have the collapse of Wall Street at the same time, on the day of the Shemitah, which means that even the timing of 9-11 was determined, had to be determined exactly by the ancient mystery of the Shemitah. And what it, here's the prophetic things with this, Sid. This is just one of the things, that if the rise of a tower speaks of the rise of a nation, what does the fall of a tower speak of? It speak, it's a warning of the future of America. So as you point out, a harbinger was 9-11. Yeah. It's a warning. How many warnings do we get yeah. before judgment? God, what, God, what's a pattern? God is, yeah, God is merciful. With the harbinger, yeah, exactly right. This follows the, the harbingers that not only was, the, was that a harbinger, but then they, we are, there's a tower going up right now at ground zero, which in the harbinger, it's the fourth harbinger. Well, that's linked to the Shemitah as well. There are things happening since the book, since the harbinger came out, it's been coming true, and that's linked to the Shemitah, that there are signs appearing, we can't get into it, but the signs have to do with that tower about what is rising up at ground zero, which is linked to defiance, because remember, you know, this tower also, the tower that's rising now, was conceived in the year of the Shemitah at the same time, with that vow that, that about defiance that was made on Capitol Hill. And it's probably going to be completed, most likely, in the year of the Shemitah that's coming. So that's just a little bit of the Shemitah and the tower, but this also is about the rise and fall 
fall of nations. The Shemitah gives the key about when ri- nations rise and fall has to do with America. Let me give you an example how, it, how this mystery is so big, it's affected everything. Uh, Shemitah, it actually can be taken as, I said, shaking or falling or collapsing. 1917, you have, you have the year of the Shemitah. You have a collapse on Wall Street, but you also have a shaking of the nations called the First World War. The Shemitah is about collapsing. That, in that war, you have the collapse of powers, collapse of four empires, the German Empire, the Hungarian, the Russian, the Ottoman, all collapse in, in the year linked to the Shemitah. And you also have, it's linked to, the Shemitah is linked to the rise of nations. 1917 is the year that begins America's rise of world power on the stage. It enters world, the, the First World War. This is considered that. And so you have the beginning of this rise. But if you take it uh, four Shemitahs later, which is 28 years, interesting, four in the Bible is a number of kingdoms. It takes you to 1945, and you have another global cataclysm. You have the shaking of the world, shaking uh, World War II coming. You have, you have literally, actually, you know, Hitler's uh, attacks began in 1938. That was the year of the Shemitah. Goes seven years till 1945 until it's over. Saint Shemitah. The Holocaust, begin, Kristallnacht, it's, it's noted as 1938 as the fateful year. Year of the Shemitah. Ends 1945, year of the Shemitah. You, when you reach the peak of, of, the, war, of the Shemitah, you also get the peak of World War II, summer of 1945. You're approaching the Shemitah's day of nullifying things. Well, this is the day of wiping out. Unleashed on the world is the greatest power of wiping out ever. Atom, the atomic uh, nu- nuclear warfare comes on at the end of world. It's like this crescendo. The war ends in the last week of the Shemitah, this whole seven-year period. And when the, and actually in Berlin, the Allies have a victory parade. It's on the day of the end of the Shemitah. I mean, so world history, this, this launches America as the superpower of the world, even the Cold War, in the year of the Shemitah. Now, now if you go, you go one more period, you go four Shemitahs later, 28 years, Shemitah can mean also the fall of a nation. It gets you to 1973. Key point. 1973, America decides to legalize the killing of unborn children. Same sin ancient Israel was judged for. And that same year also is the year America loses its first war. Vietnam collapses. On the same day, August 15th, that America won the war before in the other Shemitah. And so you have this thing of the fall of the fall now. And in the same year of that fall, you have the World Trade Center, which marks the same years that America legalized the killing of its children. Huh. So, 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 so oh, okay. Now, with the amazing precision we've just seen in the past, what does that tell us about now and the future? So, Rabbi Jonathan has pointed out when we have the Shemitahs, that's every seven years, meant for blessing by God, but if we're not following God's laws, it turns into a curse. Horrible things have happened in the history of Israel. Well, we're coming into a Shemitah right now. When does it start? The Shemitah begins September 25th. I can remember it happens to be my birthday, so it's easy. (laughs) September 25th, and then it goes till September 13th, 2015. Now, let me tell you. Now, a few things. One is two cautions. God doesn't have to do anything. It doesn't necessarily have to happen every time. However, other caution is he can. And the thing is that, that what the pattern is generally this. At the beginning of the Shemitah, you don't necessarily know. Listen, I am, if I was God, I wouldn't even be waiting for a Shemitah with all of that. I, I mean, what we're doing is we're poking our finger in God's eyes as a nation here in the United States. I mean, I'm glad that I'm not God. God's got so much more mercy than me. But if you study the Bible, he does have a point of judgment. 
Yeah, yeah, and that, that's the dangerous thing, because when you combine this all together, where America's going, when you combine the harbingers appearing and continuing, when you combine the Shemitah, that's, that's the thing. The thing is this, in the last two Shemitahs, this is 2001, 2000 and 2001, and then it's Seven 2007 years, and eight. yeah. You had, it, it, the mystery is getting more and more precise and intense. It's a buildup because in 2001, you have the greatest stock market collapse in, in history happens on the exact, exact day appointed in the Bible, Alul 29, to wipe out the financial accounts. Seven years later, 2008, you have the other greatest crash in American history, bigger, and it happens on the exact same day appointed in the Bible. The two greatest crashes happen exactly seven Hebrew years apart, down to the days, the hours, to the seconds. So the mystery is getting more intense. He's going so fast, I I want you to catch. It is so precise what he's saying. It's the year, the day, Mm -hmm. the second. I mean... What an awesome God we serve! <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, what this indicates, Sid, is this, there's an intensifying that means that the nation, we are progressing towards judgment. And that's exactly what's happening. It's in America. So, now, again, God doesn't have to do anything when we say, but I'd be aware. You All right, sh- tell me the exact date it starts and it ends. September 25th, and, and that's the start. Of this and, year. And usually, again, at the beginning, it's not, and it's not necessarily so noticeable, but if something is chosen for this year, then it's usually as it gets, it builds up to its peak, that's usually when things happen, okay? Which is September 13th of 2015. Now, there's also, you know, we've talked about this before, Go happens to be with the blood moon period as well. You know, because, because the blood moon period is a year and a half, well, we're in that half part, but the year, the, what's left, is totally Shemitah. So it's all happening at the same time as Shemitah. It's and, like a convergence of warnings. It seems. And, and, the, and the other thing is that, here's another thing, Sid. In the Bible, one of the signs of judgment is the darkening of the sun. Now, we're not saying every eclipse is. However, there's something there. Here's the thing. Get this. When that big, that peak day comes, Alul 29, it's going to be a solar eclipse on marking that day, the great day of nullification that at the end of the Shemitah is going to be a solar eclipse the same day. When that, we talked about the tower, putting this all together. When that tower, when they, they just recently put the spire to make it the tallest in America, the day they put it up was another solar eclipse. And you know, when the last time, Sid, when a solar eclipse happened on Elul 29, it was 1987, you had the greatest wipeout of Wall Street in history right after that. So, so not saying things have to, but things all right, are let's, All right, this begs the question. You have been studying this, but not just studying as a scholar, which you are, but by Revelation. I want you to tell me what you think is going to happen. I believe, whether it happens in this period or not, and I'd be ready, I believe, without any question, a great shaking is coming to America. And the shaking will affect the economy, will affect the financial realm, well, uh, and can be very well more than either of those realms, but it will affect that. Something like a famine in the land. I believe uh, even services and infrastructure will, will stop. Will be, so I believe a great warning, and it's in God's mercy. Because at this point, without shaking, I don't believe there can be revival. God's heart is revival. But we have to be ready. Anything that can be shaken will be shaken. Okay, we only have two minutes left. Uh, What is this uh, seventh Shemitah or slash? Okay, okay, there's so much and and there's so many, so I'll just just touch on this. Okay, when you get to the seventh Shemitah, you get, that's that's seven times seven years, 49 years, it leads to the Jubilee. So even the Jubilee is linked to the mystery of the Shemitah. Jubilee is about restoring, getting back your land, getting back your home, you're restored to your inheritance. Well, 2,000 years ago, 
Israel lost its inheritance, lost the land. Well, what happened is, remember that the Jubilee only starts at the year after a Shemitah. Well, the restoration of Israel begins 1917 with a Balfour Declaration when they give the land back to Israel, Britain. 1917 follows the year of the Shemitah. It's the, it's the next thing. It's like Jubilee. It's restoration of the land. If you go seven Shemitahs later from 1917, it brings you to 1967, the restoration of Jerusalem, right after the year of the Shemitah. So I mean, it, it so, the restoration. And the next one is coming. The next, if you go seven more Shemitahs, it comes to two. The next Shemitah is 2015. The year after is 2016. I'm not saying God has to, but it's amazing what he's done. He's amazing. He's in charge of everything. So this seventh Shemitah that is coming up could be, could be the wrap up, not just for America, but everything. Could, in be, could be prophetic. And, and again, we can't put God in a box, but isn't it amazing? The Shemitah holds the mystery really of everything. But the mystery of everything has to be simple. Yes. It's in Yeshua, Jesus, yes. the Jewish Messiah. Yes. Repent of your sins. Ask Jesus to be your Lord, live inside of you, start reading the Bible, and I'm telling you, if you walk in the same peace that I'll train you and equip you to walk in that God's given me, nothing will bother you, nothing. That was awesome right there, won't it? Amen. All right, let's get the, um, I mean, it would be wrong not to show you the, because these two work together, Mike, Mark Belt and uh, Jonathan Kahn. So, can I show y'all that right quick? Y'all got a few seconds? Y'all good? You gonna be all right. You need this. Don't don't let don't let nothing interrupt you. You need this. Yeah, it's my hero. All right. Is there a supernatural dimension? A world beyond the one we know? Is there life after death? Do angels exist? Can our dreams contain messages from heaven? Can we tap into ancient secrets of the supernatural? Are healing miracles real? Sid Roth has spent over 35 years researching the strange world of the supernatural. Join Sid for this edition of It's Supernatural. Hello, Sid Roth here. Welcome. Well, thank you. Welcome to my world where it's naturally supernatural. Everyone is talking these days about blood moons. Why? We know from Joel that before the awesome great day of the Lord, the day of judgment, there's going to be a moon that will be all blood. But what most people don't know is that every time historically, when there is what know, is known as a tetrod. A tetrod is four blood moons in a row. Every time there has been a tetrod on biblical feasts, not on the feast that 
most Christians celebrate. But I mean, on the biblical feast, something significant has happened to change the whole world. There is a tetrod that will occur this year and next year on a biblical feast. And there won't be another one for another 400 years. What significant thing is going to happen between this year and next year? I believe I have the guest that will be able to tell us that. So I'm watching television. I'm watching the major news shows. And all of a sudden, internationally known evangelists are on the secular news shows talking about the blood moons. So I do a little research and I find out that everyone that I'm aware of found out their basic information from Mark Biltz. Tell me a bit about your background that, that you know these things. Well, sure, I'd love to, Sid. Uh, to me, this is so exciting. I feel like just a, a little kid. And when I was a little kid, I loved astronomy. And I'd be laying down out on the grass, and I'd be looking up at the heavens, and like Psalms 19, where it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. And I would just be looking up, and I just love it. And I had a telescope, and I'd always be trying to find the moons around Jupiter and the ring around Saturn. And then as I got older and I became a believer and filled with the Holy Spirit, and I just love God. And all of a sudden I found out about the feasts of the Lord. And I realized they weren't the Jewish feasts, but they were the Lord's feasts. And I'm going to NASA's website because I love math. I love science. And I had seen this beautiful total lunar eclipse over the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And I got to thinking about the Bible verses, you know, with the, the moon turning to blood and the sun to sackcloth. And so what did I do? I, I said, well, let's see if there's any interesting eclipses coming up. And so I looked and I saw there, there were these four total lunar eclipses in a row. And I thought, well, how often does that happen? And so I was going to NASA's website and I saw it didn't happen at all in the 1800s, didn't happen in the 1700s, didn't happen in the 1600s. So and it's pretty rare. It's very, as a matter of fact, after my research, I found it has only happened eight times in the last 2,000 years that's that rare. these have fallen on the biblical feast days. But that's what was so amazing. I, I'm in my prayer closet, it's about four in the morning. I was getting up uh, you know, early uh, for a long time. And I'm praying and all of a sudden, it's like this voice comes and says, Mark, put these on the biblical holidays. Because when I was on NASA's website, it had like April and October, April and September, and it was like a download. And so I get all excited and I run out to my computer and I get on the uh, computer and I see they fell on Passover and Tabernacles, Passover and Tabernacles. So now I'm ready to jump out of my skin. I can't sure. believe this. Oh my gosh, you know. And so I go back and I look uh, and then I see when else they've happened in history, and it just blew me away. Well, the thing that is so amazing to me, tell me about the last uh, set of tetrods, that's four of these blood moons yeah. in a row. Uh, one was, just happened to be in 1948, 
Another one just happened to be in 1967. Uh, what significant things happened in 1948 <laughs> and 19? I, I think all of you know. I, do, do many of you know what, what happened in 48 and 67? But just in case. Well, sure. Uh, well, the thing that amazed me concerning the math is, you know, according to NASA, over 5,000 years, you only average one total lunar eclipse every year and a half. And here we have four within a year and a half, and they're falling on the feast days. Hmm. And the last time it happened was when Israel recaptured Jerusalem in 1960. In 1968. And when I saw that, it was like, oh, good grief, this is, this is supernatural. And so I go running back and I look at the next date, and it was right after Israel became a nation in 1948. It happened in 1949 and 50. And so now my mind's relaying, so I have to go back and I got to do some more research. And I'm going back and I find out it happened during the Inquisition, 1492. When Columbus sails the ocean blue. Now, why was that? Now, that was pretty bad for us Jewish people because we Jews were, were literally left. Uh, if we didn't leave, we'd be murdered. So it wasn't too good for us Jewish people, but it had an effect on the world. What was well, that? Well, sure it did. Because they expelled all the Jews on the 9th of Av, and also in Portugal in 1493, 1494, what happens... King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella are taking all the Jewish wealth, but that is what helped finance the finding of the new world and all the Jews coming over to America. So in your opinion, if the Jews hadn't been expelled and Christopher Columbus, who is Jewish, and you, you told me also there were a number of his crew that were Jewish. Why? Because they had to leave Spain. They might not have founded America. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. And you know what? As I went back further, at the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. That's going way back. Way back. <laughs> solar lunar eclipses all over the biblical holidays. And then during the time of Messiah's death, 32, 33 AD, solar lunar eclipses all over the biblical holidays. And so I'm thinking, God is true. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll tell you what I'm thinking. We're out of time right now. But when we come back, so what does this mean to us now? What effect, what significant thing is going to happen because we know that these four blood moons are going to occur this year and next year. We know that. We know they're going to be on the biblical feast, but we don't know what effect it'll have on us. We'll be right back. We'll be right back to It's Supernatural. My passion is for you to walk in divine health. I'm on a go ahead healing so right power to of God's kingdom. Come on. Now, especially just before. Yeah, he can, he can get it in, y'all. So, we, we know why the blood wounds are important, because the Bible talks about them, especially just before the judgment day, so to speak. Prophet Joel talks about that. But why connect them with the feasts? the biblical feasts. Why are the biblical feasts important to us? Mark? Well, sure, Sid. I see in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, is a verse I'd read a hundred times, but all of a sudden it hit me like a ton of bricks. All of a sudden it had a whole new level of meaning. I always thought God created the sun and the moon for light or heat. But when I read Genesis 1:14, it said he created the sun and the moon for signs. That's the number one reason. It was for signs or signals. And then the very next word is mistranslated in English. 
What is it? Then it says for seasons and days and years. Well, when I read seasons, I think of winter, spring, summer, or fall. But did you know that same Hebrew word they translated as seasons in Genesis and Leviticus, they translate that same word as feasts. So you're saying this, the sun and the moon was created for food, for, <laughs> for sun, <signs>? the winter. <laughs> Th- this is what's coming to me. Um, if there are, uh, you know, in baseball, there's uh, you notice the catcher does certain hand signals to, to a fastball or a curve or something like that. Now, if the pitcher doesn't know what those hand signals are. He won't have a clue what's going to happen. I mean, the catcher's liable to get right hit in the face. Exactly. But if he knows, he's prepared. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Because that same word that's translated as either fall or food literally means a divine appointment. That's what the Hebrew word moed means. And how many of you believe in divine appointments? I mean, obviously. And how many of you want to know the sign for a divine appointment? I sure do. Well, the thing to me is, also I realize they're scheduled. There's some divine appointments that are scheduled, like Passover, like the Feast of Tabernacles. And each one of these feasts in Hebrew is called a mikra. Now, we translate that as convocation, but the Hebrew word implies a dress rehearsal. So every time on Passover... The Jews went through the dress rehearsal of killing the Passover lamb on Passover because that is when the event was going to happen. So he died on Passover. He was buried on unleavened bread. He rose on the Feast of First Fruits. And the Spirit was poured out on the Feast of Pentecost or Shavuot. But most Christians don't know the Jews have been keeping Pentecost for every year for 1,500 years. So what you're saying is not only are these biblical feasts shadows of every major event in the first coming of the Messiah. But you go even further. You're saying to the exact day, and in some cases, they're to the exact hour. Explain. Exactly. It was at the third hour of the day they bound the Lord to the cross, it says. Well, that's nine in the morning, the time of the morning sacrifice. So at the very moment, the high priest is binding the Passover lamb to the altar. They're binding the lamb of God to the cross and they're singing the Psalms. They would always sing Psalms 113 through Psalms 118. Did you know that God had David write the funeral song for his son a thousand years before? Is God brilliant or what? (laughs) You know what I mean? At the, yeah. at the very moment, at the very moment, they're binding the Passover to the Lamb to the altar. They're binding Yeshua to the cross. Josephus records two and a half million Jews are in Jerusalem, and there's this choir that is singing. And the words they're singing is, bind the sacrifice with cords, even to the horns of the altar. This is what they're singing at the very moment. This is what he's hearing while they're binding him to the cross. And then at noon, when he's lifted up, and he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw a men unto me. Guess what they're singing? Psalms 118. And what are the words? The right hand of the Lord is lifted up. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. This is so not only did he fulfill the feast to the day, but to the very single hour. And so the thing is this, if we're not on the right calendar, see, our calendar is based on the sun. Right. The Islamic calendar is based on the moon. But God says, let them, both the sun and the moon, determine the days of my daytime. But wait a second. The church 
celebrates Resurrection Sunday. So, uh, you know, so isn't that the same? Well, it's on the wrong calendar. Do wrong you calendar. know? Well, Do you wait, know? wait, wait, wait. The church okay. celebrates Pentecost. Right. Is that right? On the wrong calendar. Well, no wonder we're... No, I won't say it. <laughs> well, I'll give, you, I'll give you a perfect example. Okay. Now, here's the thing. The, th- the feast, God's appointed time... Yeah, this audience is going to get me in trouble. <laughs> but God is a God of order. And because of that, he has to die before he gets buried. He's got to be buried before he can raise from the dead. And he's got to raise from the dead before the Holy Spirit can be poured out on Pentecost. Do you know, on the secular calendar we use, because we're on the wrong calendar, two years from now, Easter is a month before Passover. Now, how do you celebrate the resurrection before he even dies? I'll tell you what. Y'all get that. That's right. How you celebrate his death before he dies? Because you're on the wrong calendar. Oh, no. See, he didn't want to say it. I ain't going to say it either about the church. But do y'all see it? This is why you can't be on the Gregorian calendar. You got to be on God's calendar. But look what y'all hearing, though. Y'all going to know the difference. Y'all going to know the difference. It's only a few more minutes. Mm -hmm. Here we go. I have to ask you this. If the first feast are perfect shadows to the the day, the hour, the events in the death and resurrection of Jesus, what about the last few feasts? What are they shadows of? Well, do you believe the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Of course. I mean, do you really believe that? I really believe that. Well, if you really believe it, if he fulfilled the spring feast to the day of his first coming, he'll fulfill the fall feast to the day of his second coming. Well, I'm going to ask you, Sadat, this is the most important question. We have this tetrod and the last blood moon of the four that are coming up. But you say there are certain things about this last tetrod that has never happened in history. Are you sure? Yes. Well, I'll tell you what. When we come back, I want to hear what's about ready to happen. That wasn't a very convincing yet. <laughs> Say yes! Yes! <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. <laughs> we'll be right back to It's Supernatural. I thought this was good to see, though. The sun shall be turned into darkness yep. and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. On April 15, 2014, on the Biblical Feast of Passover, the first of four blood moons appeared. And soon after, the Hamas terrorists began firing a barrage of rockets to kill Israeli citizens. And the Israeli-Gaza war broke out. What other end-time events will there be when the next blood moon occurs on October 8, 2014? On the Sukkoth, the Feast of Tabernacles. Call now to get Mark Bilt's prophetic book and powerful DVD, The Blood Moons. And when you call, you will also receive this official Biblical Blood Moon Eclipse Calendar. All yours for a donation of $49. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9243. God has an appointed time that he wants to intersect human history. And then he says he's going to send signals through the sun and the moon when they fall on those feast days. And here they're coming. 
they're coming. In Mark's prophetic book and DVD, you will see throughout history, God, the master timekeeper, has used the heavenly bodies to communicate to us when significant events will happen. Learn the answers to these questions. What prophetic meaning do these biblical feasts point to? What is the difference between the biblical calendar and the Gregorian calendar, which is used today? Are these feasts and blood moons the final rehearsal before the Lord's return? And the odds of these happening are statistically off the charts. In 2,000 years, Years, it has only happened eight times that you've had four blood moons in a row falling on the feast days. The heavenly alarm bells are getting ready to sound. You must get on God's calendar, seek Him, watch and pray so you don't miss your divine appointment with destiny. When you call, you will also get Mark's official biblical blood moon eclipse calendar. Synchronize your calendar with this biblical calendar. Understand the prophetic events about to take place on planet Earth. The calendar includes 16 beautiful photos of Israel and anointed teaching concerning every major biblical feast. Well, the one thing I know is Jesus is coming back soon. And we do not want to be ignorant of his heavenly billboard. Right. And very few Christians understand this. Very few Christians know the exact dates. Very few Christians understand the significance from the scriptures. I want you to be the head and not the tail. Amen. You must get this information. Don't miss out well, on getting Mark Bilt's prophetic book and powerful DVD, The Blood Moons. And when you call, you will also receive I this official biblical blood moon eclipse calendar. All yours for a donation of $49. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9243. Call or you can send your check to Sid Roth. It's Supernatural. P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. Please specify offer number 9243 or log on to SidRoth.org. Call or write today almost finished we now return to it's supernatural yeah you know as we were discussing if everything is being fulfilled to the day to the hour at the first coming of the messiah through god's biblical feasts or as mark explained his appointments then the last feast will be his return to the day and the hour. But is there anywhere in the Bible that gives us a clue uh, that the devil's gonna tamper with the calendar oh, so comes. that we'll miss the signs? You bet there is. It's in the book of Daniel. And think about this. If you were in business and your competitor, you, you had an appointment, if he could get a hold of your day timer and change it, he would love to have you miss the appointment. Of course. Well, God doesn't want us to miss the appointments, and he always wars before he brings uh, judgment. And guess what? In Daniel, it says one of the things the Antichrist tries to do is change the times and the seasons. I remember that. Do you remember that? Yeah. I do. That's referring to the, the feast days. That's referring to God's appointed times when he's going to intersect human history. So significant. So speaking of intersecting human history, we have this tetrod, the four blood moons, and the last one, which will happen next year, will be the most unusual that it ever has occurred in history. In fact, we, won't even, we don't even have any more of these uh, tetrods scheduled that occur on feast days for over 400 years after that. Why is it so unusual, Mark? Well, have you ever heard of a super moon? Uh, I actually heard of it because I interviewed you on radio. Before that, I didn't know Diddley. <laughs> well, here's what a supermoon is. Here's the Earth, and here's the moon. 
And the moon's orbit around the Earth is elliptical. It's far away, and it gets close, and it's far away. Every month, it does a complete orbit. Mm -hmm. When the moon is at its closest point to Earth, it's called its perigee, all right? Well, if the moon is a new moon at perigee, at its closest point, you don't even see it. But if the moon is a full moon at its closest point to Earth, According to NASA, it looks 14% larger. It's this big super moon because it's so close. Well, guess what? Next year, on September 28th, we not only have a full moon, we have a super moon that is at its closest point to Earth, not just for the month, but for the entire year. And it's a super blood moon that is going to be seen in Jerusalem on the Feast of Tabernacles. And in a Shemitah year. Now, what's a Shemitah year? Now, the Shemitah year is every seventh year. Jubilee. Every seventh year, the land had to rest, and it couldn't be tilled. But the amazing thing is this. Every man, see, God commanded all the men to be in Jerusalem three times a year. Right. He didn't command the women, because the men have to be told what to do. The women don't. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) But every three times a year, all the men had to be in Jerusalem. But in the Shemitah year, in the seventh year, specifically on the Feast of Tabernacles, it says in Deuteronomy, every man, woman, child, and even the stranger has to be there to hear the King of Israel read from the scriptures. Okay, now this begs the question, why is God giving us so many sign after sign after sign for next year? What use your sanctified intellect, having studied astronomy, <laughs> having studied the Bible, having studied the biblical feast? You're you're an expert in these three arenas. What is going to happen? Well, here's one thing that I think. In the book of Joel, you mentioned where it talks about the sun turning to sackcloth and the moon to blood. It's in the same context that God says He's going to judge all the nations who are trying to divide the land of Israel. And that's what's going on right now. And America is leading the push to divide the land of Israel. And I think these are the heavenly billboard warning signs by God to Israel not to divide their land. It's also that America should not partake. But here's the other thing. We see a war in 1948, a biblically prophetic war. We see a biblically prophetic war in 67. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think there's a good chance we could see a biblically prophetic war in Israel because there are several that haven't taken place yet. But guess what else? That seventh year is an economic reset year. That is when all the debts were to be forgiven and the people released. But in Nebuchadnezzar's day, they had set the people free and then they changed their mind and put them all back into bondage. And God said, because of that, this seventh year is going to be a year of judgment. And the seventh year has been a year of judgment. And do you know in 1994, do you remember the Shoemaker-Levy Comet when it got pummeled 21 times? Okay, that was a Shemitah year. And guess what weekend it happened on? The 9th of Av, which is the time when the temple was destroyed twice. And so I thought back in 1994 that that meant with 21 fragments that the 7 times 3 is 21, the next three Shemitah years are going to be times of judgment. And 2001 was a Shemitah year or the seventh year, and that's when the Dow fell its biggest drop ever to that time, and it fell on Rosh Hashanah the first day of the seventh month. It fell 7%. Tell me the next drop. The next one is 2008 when the big stock market crash happened. Guess what? That was the Shemitah year. It happened on the first day of the seventh month. The Dow fell 777 points. It was no, just, you're making that. No. It's, it was it's it. I saw it. 
It, it really was the, did. Yeah. Now, now listen, how many more signs do you need? This is your moment to make Jesus your Messiah and Lord. Believe that Jesus died, just like Mark explained, and rose from the dead on the Jewish feast, and believe that his blood washed away your sins. You are clean. Make Jesus your Lord and live inside of you now. It's worth it, wasn't it? It was worth it, wasn't it? See, my job is to make sure that y'all are prepared, that you are informed. Can I be a pastor now? I'm sitting here just telling y'all a bunch of stories, and all of this is happening around you? Mom, would that be fair? That'd be wrong. You could actually go and complain to God about me. My job is to care. And if I don't do this, and I don't show y'all and inform you what's really going on, then it's going to be on me. This is what the shepherd is supposed to be doing. Y'all need to know this information. You need to know what is coming upon this earth and how to prepare and know how to pray and everything. Well, I ain't fearful about nothing that I saw. But he's letting us know that he is coming. And he says, I'm going to show y'all signs that I'm coming. He is coming. It's not about imminence. He can't come until certain things happen. Other than that, he would violate his own you know, law, what he's been doing all the time. This is why the church, listen, great plan of Satan. This is why he has all the body of Christ not observing his feet. Because that, that's how he's messing with the time. So you won't know. He's not supposed to come as a thief in the night to us. Because we know what the sun and the moon are there for. See? See how, he, see how he does the deception? Church, 10 years, not one time, he studied the feast. I asked, could we study the feast? He said, no. Guess what, Pastor? You guys think you won't have your ministry, you'll be to study the feast all you want. And you have some people who receive it and understand why he's why it's so important for us to understand his moets, his appointed time. Isn't that crazy not to be sitting in these chairs and not informed about what's really going on? They don't hold the pastors accountable. Or the teachers. What are they teaching you? Y'all, my job is to prepare you. So when we come and that great and terrible day come of the Lord, we are prepared. Our lamps are trimmed. We're waiting. We know his voice. Amen? And the, the, the greatest thing we can do is to continue to witness to people. And listen, if you don't have the words, just use your life. If you, if you don't want to get one of these cards and say, I can help you, just come here. That's what, those, that's what these cards are for. The witness to have them with you all the time. And watch you have an opportunity to get them out. Amen? Look, at this time, I'm going to have prayer. Um, come on up, teachers. Um, and feed. If we want to pray uh, for anything or you want to be a blessing to your ministry, uh, please go on the website, y'all. Please go and show it and do whatever friendliness is. And, you know, share it with your friends and your families and, and everything. Strangers, do everybody. Amen? Awesome stuff. We have the feast on there. We have fasting. We have Yom Kippur, what we just had on Saturday. We have everything. Go to, go to our site. Everything is on our site. Amen?